Talk Radio. show is dedicated to the loving memory of two lovely transgender women who passed away on last week, Ms. Jada Thomas of Atlanta, Georgia, and Ms. Yasmin Sanchez of the Fort Myers, Florida area. If you would, let's remember these ladies in their beautiful spirit with a brief moment of silence. Thank you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to the talk with Micah and friends. And yes, it is me, Micah. So very glad to have you guys back with me yet again for season two of the talk with Micah and friends. I want you all to remember that you can subscribe to the show via iTunes through the Purple Podcast app on your iPhone, or you also may access it through iTunes or iTunes library on your computers. It's totally free. And with having access, you're going to be able to listen to our previous shows dating back to December of 2013. Now, in the event that you do not have an iPhone or have access to iTunes, it's simply okay because you can actually just simply log in to www.hipcast.com or you may also visit the infamous website of blogtalkradio.com forward slash the talk with Micah. Now, I am fishing for new show ideas. So if you have a hot new show idea that you would like for me to consider, please do not hesitate to hit me up via email at thetalkwithmicah at gmail.com. Again, that's thetalkwithmicah at gmail.com. Now, as you all know, we've recently added for Season 2 weekly recognitions, which are highlighted on the Talk With Micah and Friends Facebook page, as well as my personal page, Micah Pierce Lord. So we have Motivational Mondays, Tantalizing Tuesdays, Wild Wednesdays, Tactful Timeless Thursdays, and Future Fine Fridays, also known as Hotties of the Week. So briefly, let me tell you what each day entails. Motivational Mondays. We're going to post either a motivational or inspirational quote with the song of the day or a motivational story from a member of the community highlighting their trial, their tribulation, and their triumph. Tantalizing Tuesdays. Highlighting a male lead, female impersonator, entertainer, or an avid ballroom house member that's currently dominating the world of entertainment, pageantry, or ballroom. Wow Wednesdays. We want to show our appreciation towards nonprofit organizations that are either produced by LGBTQ men or women or agencies that cater to our community. We intend to not only shed light on the, on the organization, but also advise everyone on how you can become involved as well. Tactful Timeless Thursdays. On this day, we will focus on iconic and prolific humanitarians or legends within the LGBTQ community. Future Fine Fridays. Facebook Hotties of the Week which is similar to Jet Magazine's Jet Beauty of the Week. Here we're going to showcase two hotties from all walks of life and allow them to open up a little bit of their life to the masses. Here you're going to be graced with a picture or two of the two hotties of the week and ways to follow and befriend them on social media, an example, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. And I'm sure that we're going to make your Friday sizzling hot, okay? So if you would like to submit your nomination for any of the days, please email my marketing strategist, Ricky, at Marketing promo slickrick at gmail.com. Again, that's marketing promo slickrick at gmail.com. Well, you know what time it is, right? It is now time for the free and clear, free and clear, free and clear segment. Like 
Congratulations goes out to Nicole Love Dupree on winning Miss Duval 2014. Congrats to Antoine Steele and Sasha Sanchez on winning Mr. and Miss Lakeshore Continental. They both will be competing for Mr. and Miss Continental Labor Day weekend in Chicago, Illinois. So once again, congrats Nicole Love Dupree, Antoine Steele, and Sasha Sanchez. B-Boy Blues the Play, adapted from the classic novel by James Earl Hardy, will be held in Atlanta, Georgia, August 2nd, 2014 at 8.30 p.m. at the Balzair Theater. And that's going to be on Lucky Street. For more information, I'm actually going to post the link as well as the flyer to the Facebook page so you have all the information. But I will say this, definitely go out and support them, baby, because that play is awesome. The book is awesome. The play is awesome. I actually had the opportunity to experience it in February back in Philly. So, again, B-Boy Blues the play, okay, August 2nd, 2014 in Atlanta, Georgia. All-Star International Pageantry Presents. Mr. and Miss All-Star International Newcomer, honoring Chaos Bonet Dickerson and Miss Shayla Nicole. Categories, presentation, red, white, blue, or a combination, sportswear, formal wear, evening gown, question and answer, and talent. Entry fee is $150, and the winners receive 1,000 girls, okay? And that's going to be held Sunday, July 6th, this weekend, in Houston, Texas, at the Hilton Houston Southwest. D-West Productions and Westland Patents presents the fifth annual Mr. and Miss Wesson Newcomer Pageant, honoring Marquise, Fran Simon, and Ramaya Black. That's going to be held July 26th through the 27th at the Jungle Nightclub in Atlanta, Georgia, featuring entertainment by the reigning Wesson Court, Candace S. Brooks, Yesha Alexander, Tariko St. James, Salandra Dupree, Seduction Dickerson, and Trey Buchanan. Categories include interview, presentation, white and green, Fashion, for the males is sportswear, for the females is gown. Talent, five minutes, no solo gospels, please. Top five question and answer, the general admission is only $25. Reserved seating, which I believe is all sold out, but it is $30, okay? Doors open up at 6 p.m. Newcomer pre-show is at 6.30 p.m. And the pageant starts at 7 p.m. For more information, contact Diablique West. Dream Boy Continental will be held Monday, July 21, 2014 in Chicago, Illinois. Featuring entertainment by Khalil Valentino, the reigning Mr. Continental, Antonio Edwards, Angel Saez, Simba Hall, the lovely Miss Entertainer of the Year, Raquel Lord. All contestants must pre-register by July 14th, so you only have a few more on days, people, okay? All right. So, again, that is Dream Boy Continental, Monday, July 21st, 2014. And let me not forget the categories. Interview, white presentation, swimwear, formwear, talent, and on stage question and answer. The winner will receive $1,000. That's right, $1,000. Five, 300 winning the night of. You're going to get 500 at Nationals and 200 towards hotel and travel. So again, Dream Boy Continental. The 23rd annual Mr. and Miss Black Universe, Mississippi Black Universe, let me correct that, featuring Mr. and Miss Black Universe, Cameron Black and Giselle Barbie Royale, an official preliminary to the Mr. and Miss Black Universe pageant will be held August 15, 2014 at Four Occasions Banquet Hall in Jackson, Mississippi. The categories include presentation, all white, sportswear, non-seasonal, evening gown, formal wear, talent, question and answer, and the entry fee is only $125. Again, it's the 23rd annual Mr. and Miss Black Mississippi Universe. Well, that's it for the free and clear segment. If you have any announcements that you would like aired during the free and clear segment, please go ahead and shoot me an email, shoot me your flyer and your announcement to 
thetalkwithmicah at gmail.com. Again, thetalkwithmicah at gmail.com. Next up, expanding the T in LGBTQ. Stay tuned. In America, no one needs to die of AIDS, yet still too many of our brothers are dying. Because of stigma and fear, we need to speak up with our partners, our families, and our friends about how HIV and AIDS is a real issue in our community. I'm Jesse Smollett. I'm Blake Youngfountain. I'm Anthony Burrell. We We are are Greater Than AIDS. AIDS. Join the movement at greaterthan.org. Welcome back to the talk with Micah and friends. And if you are just joining us, you actually have joined in at the best time. Uh, In January of this year, I actually had an in-depth conversation with six trans women, and the show was entitled Raw and Uncut, the Tea Edition. And in that particular episode, I wanted to bring six transgender women together to discuss different issues and their topics surrounding transgender women. While there were great debates and a few aha moments, I knew that I wanted to continue the conversation, but not with the same guests, but other trans women. So with me today are five lovely trans women who agreed to sit down so we can, so we can expand a little more on the T that rests within the term LGBTQ. So let's welcome from Jackson, Mississippi, Ms. Monique Brown. Welcome to the show, Monique. Hi, Micah. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you are welcome. Uh, from Columbia, South Carolina, we have Doray Sierra Saunders. How are you, Doray? Hello. Thank you for having me again. Not a problem. Uh, from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, we have Ebony Sherry. How are you, Ebony? Hello, Micah, and thanks for having me. Not a problem. You're welcome. From Tallahassee, Florida, we have Amaya Chancellor. How are you, Amaya? Hey, Micah. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Thank you also for joining us on your birthday. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. You're welcome. So I need you to sound a little more excited. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, from New Orleans, last but certainly not least, from New Orleans, Louisiana, we have Vanessa Haley France. How are you, Vanessa? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Micah. You're welcome. Now, ladies, again, I want to thank you so very much for being a part of this discussion, and I have hopes that any unanswered questions regarding the trans life are not only answered, but it brings light to a sometimes negative lifestyle. So let's go ahead and start off. As we all know, all of you live your your day-to-day lives as trans women. Um, From my many conversations with ladies who I'm very close to, transitioning from living the life of a male to a trans woman has been easy for some, but hard for many. Briefly, I would like each of you to tell me why did you decide to make the transition, when, meaning maybe what year, and tell me about your family's reaction to your final decision of transitioning. So I'll repeat that because it was a little long. Just a question part, though. I want, you, I want each of you to tell me why did you decide to make the transition, when did you decide, and tell me about your family's reaction to your final decision of transitioning. And I want to start off with Monique and then Ebony, and then we're going to go to DeRay, Amaya, and Vanessa. So Monique and then Ebony. Okay. Well, let me just start off by saying with me, it wasn't Mm -hmm. really a decision. It was basically 
it's like I just grew into it. I think where the deciding factor played a part is when I just decided to make the outside match the inside. I have always felt like a woman. Okay. Growing up, I felt like a girl. I always identified with feminine things. So basically, it's like I just grew into my womanhood. It's like I just basically morphed into looking like a woman, but I always had thought and felt like one. So I didn't okay. really just decide, but the first time I'll say I began to make the outside match, the uh-huh. inside was my senior year in high school. I was about 17 years old, okay. and it was difficult for my family to accept because I'm from the South, and I come from a very a Christian family. I, I, my father is a minister. My grandmother is a minister. So, of course, I dealt with a lot of scrutiny, but I can say that it has been a long journey, and now they finally have accepted it, and we're all happy with it now. Good. I'm so glad to hear that. Well, thank you so very much, Monique. And uh, Ebony, what about you? Um, I started when I was 13 years old. I will be lying if I say I started with the hopes of being a transgender woman because at that age I didn't know what transgender was and all of the technology in the modern terms to describe the women we are today were not relevant and existing to the magnitude it is now. I was just living my life being more comfortable and the female persona and image and the person that I was, that my goal was to make my outside match the way I felt on the inside. And upon that, it grew into this thing which is called to me being found later on that I was being a transgender woman. But at the time, it was either that or it was a life or death situation. I had to do what's closer to me living life that was a truth for me. Or I had okay. to live somebody else's lie and kill myself. Um, so it was a life or death situation for me. Um, as far as how did my family receive it, yes. um, the, my family was accepting. Um, sometimes I think the extent of which we do things sometimes can can kind of stall a person. But as far as me making the decision to live my life, they were not. But the levels of evolution that I evolve into as I mature and navigate through life, I never cease to get that aha moment for my family. They never cease to be amazed by the evolution. So that's a constant thing. As you grow, your family grows to other levels of expectations and acceptance for you. Most definitely. Okay. Thank you so very much, Anthony. And Doray, you are next. Um, for me, coming from the South, I'm very much a Bible Belt. I'm in a very racist area. Um, <laughs> yes, you are. Oh, we don't keep getting to that. That's a horse of another color. But long story short, I've always been very feminine, a very effeminate boy, and I was very androgynous, and I just knew that something was not quite, as the two other ladies said, the two needed to match because I felt mismatched. Um, but also because my mother was uh, very strong about my education. As I grew up, I realized the two most powerful people in the world was a white man and a black woman, that's what rules our country. And to this day, that is still very prevalent. I knew that I could never be a white man, but I could be perceived to be a black woman. And people's perception is their reality. Regardless of what you think, regardless of how people may feel, if that's what they perceive, that is what they believe. And I knew that if I got as close to what I felt inside, I would be perceived and I would be received as the woman that I am. So that's where 
the, I knew the transition had to take place. As far as my family, being an only child, an only grandchild, an only great-grandchild, and an only niece, I was all my family had. They were more afraid of me being killed or ostracized because of my choices, but they mm-hmm. stood by me. My mother stood by me to the point of going with me to have my breast implants put in. And with having kind of love and acceptance, maybe that's why sometimes I may come across as arrogant or mean-spirited, but it's not that. I come from a family of love and acceptance, so people's acceptance is not so much as my concern because I have it from my family. So that's it for me. All right. Thank you, Doray. And I'm from South Carolina, so I can relate to the whole racist part. Um, but we'll talk about that another time. Uh, right. Amaya, <laughs> what about you? Um, I won't say that I exactly chose this. I just I feel like I was born this way. I knew that there was something different inside of me when ever since I was young. I just didn't know how to identify with it. Um, I kind of... Well, I didn't have any, like, gay relatives or transgender relatives in my family, so my only resource was the Internet at the time. So I would just do a lot of researching, um, just trying to figure out who I was because I didn't, I didn't have anybody else to go to. Um, that was early as me being 14. Okay. I began my transition at 2021. 20, this okay. was, like, later on after I had moved from home and went off to college. And... um. I came out to my mom at 14, and I told her that there was something different about me. I wasn't sure what was going on, but, you know, I knew that I liked men and whatnot. And um, I eventually told her that I I felt like I should have been a woman. And um, she immediately, she didn't, like, shut me down, but I know that she was scared and um, worried for me. So the whole thing was like, okay, we're going to deal with it, but we're going to make sure that you guys are high school first and, get on your own and everything else. Um, My ethnic background is Haitian, so it was a really big culture shock for everybody. My family kind of shunned away from my mom because she supported me and still does to this day. Um, Eventually, everybody came around. Similar to what um, Dore said, um, my brothers, sisters, everybody, um, even friends from Tallahassee were there when I woke up from getting my breast surgery, so... Um, as of now, I, I honestly can just say that I'm I'm grateful to have my family behind me. That's wonderful. Great to hear. Thank um, you. And thank you for that. Uh, Vanessa, last but certainly not least. Um, I think for me, I grew up in a time, I'm an 80s baby, so I grew up in a time where Michael Jackson and Boy George and, you know, kind of the androgynous male was always in the forefront for me. So I can't say that I necessarily felt um, like I wanted to be a woman early on, I think I just felt like there was something different about me. So initially I started my transition when I ran away from home because I started to um, get accused of being gay. And being from a Catholic and Pentecostal background, um, my parents divorced early on, so my mom was just very, I think like DeRay, I think, they, like, I think um, like one of the other guests said that I don't know if it was DeRay or one of the guests said that her 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 opinion on it wasn't that she was for or against it. She was afraid for my well-being and for my safety. And because I'm her child, she didn't want me to be in a position where I would be picked on or ridiculed or harassed or even harmed because of the decisions that I wanted to make. And being a biracial, biracial child, I always was a little bit more feminine looking. I didn't look like the other kids. You know, and growing up with a white mother being 
half black and half white, people already would kind of, you know, notice me when I walked into the room. So being a little bit more effeminate was definitely something that people would even notice more. So um, I think initially I started my, my transition in Florida. I was about, when I ran away from home, I was like 16, 17, and I saw my first transsexual Rita Moore, and I just couldn't believe it. And when I saw her, I knew that that was something that I wanted to do. Um, and since transitioning, I still don't have a relationship with my father, unfortunately, because he, you know, he's scared of something that he doesn't understand. And mm-hmm. that's okay. But my mom is just the light of my life, and she's been there for me um, since I think that she felt like this was something that she couldn't change. And I think she just felt like she needed to accept it and be positive and and just be supportive because this is something that wasn't going to go away. All right. Well, thank you so much, Monique, Ebony, Doray, Amaya, Vanessa. Thank you for, you know, sharing just a little bit of your coming up story. And, and what I love about it, you know, is the fact that your um, parents or your families are accepting. Maybe you know, one or two may not, but, hey, that's that's just life. That's how it is. But for the most part, what I'm getting is is a lot of support. And the mothers, it seems like, are always going to support you no matter what. Nobody, even if they don't like it, they're still going to support you because, you know, you are their child. So, again, thank you um, for those responses. Um, I have a, a, a quick question. It's a simple question, but it's a complex question sometimes uh, for some. Uh, what's transgender? What's transgender? Whoever would like to, to come out and just, you know, give me what their definition or what they yeah, believe. My, I transgender to me mm-hmm. and also Webster's Dictionary of One, mm-hmm. it's a person whose sex-related characteristics and structure of their brain that identifies their gender is not congruent with their physical body structure. So transgender is not a physical thing. It's, I don't care what you do, how you augment your body, or anything like that, that does not make you transgendered. It's something that is definitely mental okay. that a lot of people don't understand. Anybody so else want to expand on that? She did. I'm glad that she did mention that because a lot of, uh, no offense to anybody, but people feel like, you know, well, once they put on hair or, you know, change their wardrobe or their voice, that, um, you know, they automatically identify with the transgender community. And that's that's definitely not the case. It, It most definitely is something that's mental and psychological. Like this goes way beyond the hair and the breast and the surgeries. Like, mm-hmm. it's something deep-rooted inside of you, and a lot of people have that misconstrued. Like, they'll call, you know, guys who get up and drag every now and then, oh, she's a trainee or a transgender, when that's really a big difference. It actually bothers me that people do that. Today. I would, I, I would I say, say Go ahead, Doreen. No, you go ahead. I'm fine. Oh, no. I What I wanted to say was something that, you know, Amaya just reached on or touched on. And, and Ebony can kind of piggyback on it, is that, um, you know, I, came, I went up to the 13th annual um, Trans Health Conference in Philadelphia a few weeks back. And um, what I noticed, um, walking among the hallways and things, and I went, of course, went to support Ebony um, and, and her seminar of what she had there. But um, I saw that there were a lot of um, people who did not look like what I was used to seeing, you know, living in Atlanta 
And of course, even transitioning up here, you know. Um, it, 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 I, I, and I had this conversation with a friend later on, um, but I, I realized that, you know, transgender is not the physical, you know. Um, and after doing my research, and of course, also what Monique touched on, is that it's really um, what they feel on the, the inside in, in a mental thing. And, and basically, um, you know, the definition it basically they kind of states exactly what um, Amaya as well as Monique was saying, was basically denoting or relating to a person whose self-identity does not conform unambiguously to conventional notions of male or female gender. So what I want people to realize is that, you know, as um, Monique and as Amaya touched on, is that it's not just the physical. It's not the hair, the makeup, the lashes, and all of that. It's really a mental thing. And, um, uh Ebony, do you want to touch on or piggyback on just basically what you encountered yeah, when you went I, to the trans? I, um, that was a very enlightening experience for me, and I suggest that anyone that's living and navigating through life and trans experience that you experience that, the camaraderie and, and the unity that exists that weekend and all weekends of with situations, with workshops and cinema, seminars of that case, because it's, it's, it's a cultural rebuilding that we need to unify and unite us in ways that empower us to go outside of our minds and our norms and represent us in another level. It taught me a lot. Um, I, it, of course, Michael, it was a shock, because at that conference, there is a such thing. Sex, sex and gender are two different things. Mm-hmm. You know, um, sex refer, refers to the biological and psychological characteristics. The gender refers to the behavior roles that are imputed upon us by society and the, the, the expectations that people have because you are male or female. Gender and mm-hmm. sexuality are two different things. Going to the conference, I also became aware that transgender women can be, I've met some. I met some transgender women at the conference that were lesbians. I've met some transgender women that were heterosexual. I met some that were even gay. That transgender was the woman that they were, and their sexual acts didn't have anything to do with them being a woman. And that's the biggest misconception that exists within our society, period. People Mm. confuse sexuality and gender, and there's a Mm. difference between the two. Wow, that's an eye-opener. Thank you, Ebony, for sharing that. Um, uh, And I'm sure that you'll be, you know, continuing um, the education and, and getting educated um, throughout the year and so forth and so on in regards to um, those definitely. trans conferences, correct? Definitely, definitely. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay, so let's move on. I was just a simple question. Um, I think we kind of really got down to what it is. Um, so many things plague our community on a, daily, on, a, on a daily basis, and it seems like we are under attack, but not only our community, but so many things have happened within the trans community as well. And I want to sit and just talk a little bit about the challenges of living a transgendered life, okay? What I first want to start off with is, and it's whoever wants to, to tackle it first is fine, um, I want to start with escorting and prostitution. Why do you feel so many so why do you feel so many of the trans women feel that it's necessary to result to selling their bodies for survival versus getting a job? going to school, and making things happen the legit way. Ooh, 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 please, Can I start on this one? This is what we're going to do. We're going to let DeRay, and then we're going to go to Vanessa. But go ahead, uh, DeRay. Uh, 
Um, well, for me, I'm 43 years old. I don't know how old my other sisters are, but from my early childhood, all, I only grew up with prostitutes and, and drug addicts. That was what was surrounded by me. Okay. Um, and they were drag queens more so than they were transgender. They didn't identify as women, but it was a means of survival because, one, a lot of them dropped out of high school. They did not have an education. They did not have a family supporting them, and it was a means of survival. Now, as I've traveled the country through through entertainment and through my, my job as a makeup artist and a hairstylist, um, I'm fortunate and I'm blessed. I'm, I'm blessed to have a family that told me you could be as gay as you want or you could become any woman you want to be, but you will get an education and you'll be, you will become successful. My family was adamant about that. They didn't care what I did. Even if I was digging a ditch, they wanted to make sure that I did something that was of a legal step that was not illegal or to the point that I wouldn't get arrested for it. Um, the, the problem, and you end up t- touching on this as well, a lot of us, and I'll say a lot of the sisters that I speak with, the reason that a lot of them are escorts or prostitutes, when men see us as sexual objects, they only see us as to do their sexual bidding. They don't consider us to be the equal counterpart of any other woman that they're dating us. A lot of women said, if you come at me like a whore, I'm charging you like a whore. So at the end of the night, nobody's going to be mad because a wet ass, excuse me, and a used condom pays no bills that I own. And this is the sentiment that I've gotten as I've traveled the 50 states within, with, right here. That, that's been what I've seen. The thing is, you, you don't, you, they see us as fantasies. They don't see us as equal women or the women that we are. They only see us as do the sexual bidding. So the, the trans sisters that I've spoken with, they're like, I'm not sleeping with you for free. Who does that? They're like, not when I can get paid for it. No. That, that's what I see. And that's been their the experience that they've said. Okay. Do you see it, um, Dore, do you see it happening more now than it was in the past, or is it about the same? No, it's more now because we have the Internet, so people are not walking the streets. They have, the, they, have the, they have Craigslist, Backpage, Arrows, whatever websites. You can create your own porno website. You can create your own escort website. It's more prominent because of, because of social media. What I will say it's a little safer in some instances because when I grew up, there was no, there was no Internet. You walked the streets. You, you beat the, this pavement down with your pumps. <laughs> okay. Vanessa, right. what uh, what's, what's your response to it? Um, I think that me and Dore have the same kind of feelings when it comes to that kind of situation. I mean, I'm, we're the same age, and, you know, growing up, you know, people don't realize that you can't just pop a hormone pill and expect it to work. You know, it's not going to work. It's magic overnight. So mm-hmm. I think that a lot of girls tend to fall back on that because a lot of men have that fantasy. And I think that it's just it's impossible to get the things that you need to make yourself be the woman that you want to be by working a, you know, minimum wage job. And a lot of girls are, I don't want to say forced to it, but it is easier to accomplish things because you're generating a lot more income by that because there is that that intrigue of men to have something that they've never experienced or, you know, some people say the best of both worlds. You know, there are some cities where, you know, I, I, I... came to New Orleans for the major part of my transition, and I think I was blessed to come here and to be allowed to work in a transsexual club where there was a show as well as a place where the girls, the trans girls, could dance and strip. So we made a lot of money just by, you know, being strippers and and doing the shows. And, I mean, Ebony knows for, you know, that's how I met Ebony walking past 
the club that I worked at when she was a little girl, and she saw us all standing at the bar with our high heels, six-inch heels on, and our little bitty dresses. But, I mean, it's the, it's the reality of the world that we live in, sex sells. And if, you know, I can't knock a girl for getting her hustle on because I've done it. I've been there. I've done it. But the problem is is that when you don't see someone else move past that and know that there's a possibility that you mm-hmm. can get out of that lifestyle because it's so easy, you get caught up and then you get stagnant in it and you, the money's so good and it's coming and it's coming and it's coming. It's just to know when to stop and to put that money aside and move on to other things and, you know, to go back to school because it gets harder as you grow older because you're not going to make the same amount of money that you made when you were 20 that you're making it at 30. You know, it's just, it's, right. you know, it's just the nature of the beast. Um, Monique, um, so, I mean, um, what? Um, I, I, go ahead. Okay. Ebony. <laughs> um, so like to re- I get, that goes back to what I was saying earlier about um, the lack of education and knowledge that existed back then. Back then, we didn't have a name for women like us. And back then, it was so hard to see outside of what was being fed to us. There's two words I like to use, possibility models and role models. Back in those days, we didn't have role models. We had possibility models. We saw individuals that was doing something that even though it was not something that we really wanted to, we saw something that we can take and turn into something positive and get what we needed out of it. Those were the women that were standing on the corners. Those were the people that was doing illegal things and escorting or things of that nature. We didn't have the knowledge that re- that's right now available to us as transgender women. They didn't even view us, knew that they're not, they don't even totally view us now as humans. I mean, at the end of the day, our fight is not to be recognized as transgender women. It's to be mm-hmm. recognized as being equal. I mean, equal. if you look at the way society is treating us, if one of us is murdered, they're immediately going to misgender us. They're going to mispronoun us. And unfortunately, yeah. if any of the girls have a mugshot, they're going to adjacent that along with your, with your obituary right. photo. And at the end of the day, they try to paint a picture like we are not human. Our fight is to prove that we are human. And when you're not recognized as human, they just took away the, the, the ruling that, we, that it's not a mental illness. So if you're going through life where people feel as though you shouldn't be here, you deserve to die, you have a mental illness, and you're, a dying, and you're an alien, what other options do you have to be successful other than the ones that you're being fed? Cool. Let me one minute. Let me just interject. Um, I'm listening to the different opinions about it, and I just I, I I have to disagree with some of them because, for one, I I understand what Ebony is saying about it. It is very influential, definitely. If that's all you're around, most people are products of their environment. So if mm-hmm. that's all you're around is prostitutes and things like that it can definitely rub off on you because at the beginning of my transit, well, I don't like to use transition. I like to use the word transmarify because I think transition is kind of an understatement for what we've done. But anyway, I, I just feel like it goes back to the mindset of that individual because I was around prostitutes and things like that, and for a minute I thought that was the only option for me I know that it did not feel right. I was not comfortable with it, and it was not a lifestyle that I wanted to pursue. So that is a crutch I feel a lot of trans women use about, okay, men just want to sleep with us, so might as well get some money for it. They feel that's nothing but sexual creatures, so, hey, pay me. I mean, 
you reformatted your body physically to be a sex symbol. So why do you get so, I feel so disrespected or shocked that somebody wants sex from you? That's the entire reason why you went and embellished your femininity. So I just don't understand why a lot of girls use that as a crutch that, okay, if they're going to only just want us for a sexual being, I should make them pay for it or something like that, like it's a big shock. I mean, that was the entire well, reason think, why you've done all the things you've done to yourself. No, I think the question was why do girls tend to 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 fall back on that? I think that was the well, wasn't that the yeah, question, why did so many women, trans women feel that it's necessary to resort to selling their bodies for survival versus and, being and a job? Or... Right. Well, that's I, what we were saying, that in order to transition, sometimes you're in a position where you cannot make the money that is required to transition by working at McDonald's. Let's call a spade a spade. $10 is not going to get you a bottle of hormones if you don't have any insurance. Hormones are $169 for a vial of 5 milliliter, 40 milligram estrogen. You cannot afford that, afford that, a place to lay your head, a place, something to put on your stomach. I mean, you just, there's, there's just no way. So the question was, why do girls fall back on that? And the answer was because it makes the process a lot easier for them because they can afford the things that they need to help the process along. That was the question. But, that but was, let, I mean, that was my I disagree. Answer. I disagree with you. Okay, hold, hold, hold on, hold on, ladies. Let, let me ask, because I do want to move on. Um, because of course we're going to disagree, and sometimes we have to agree to you know disagree to uh, agree to disagree. But I, I do want to, because um, I understand you know some girls result because of this, that, and the other. Um, but I, I also think, um, and, and if anyone agrees with me or not, that's yes, perfectly fine. But I think also just coming up in Atlanta when I was 18, 19 years old, and I saw the boys transition to the girls, and then they walk in the streets and all of that. I think also it's a it's a thing of fear. Um, it's a thing of fear, and it's a thing of rejection because. Now, at this point, you know, I hate to say this, but there, there are more options, I believe, than it was 10 years, 15, 20 years now. So I think a lot, I think now it's more of a fear of, oh, if I get into school, the people are going to laugh at me. They're going to reject me. They're going to talk about me. Or if I try to, you know, get a job, this is what's going to happen. So they result uh, or they, you know, go to the easier way out. Um, and I'll even relate, relate that over to the butch queens that are, you know, doing it. It's just, it's just a more so. It's the, it's the easier thing to do. It's, it's faster money. Um, but what, what I want to speak about is the fear. Do you think that just some, some girls just they have, that, they have that fear as far as you know being in school and, and, and going through the transition at that time? Um, or? I, Micah, um, I understand what you're saying, and I'm not saying you're wrong because maybe that's based off your experience or your yeah, my mm-hmm. that based off of what you've accumulated and acquired throughout life and the people you've been around. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that we as black people, we have so many stigmas that are set up on us. And one thing, and, and as, mo, as, 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 as many of the negative things that we have against us as a whole, we are so image conscious and we care more about what people think than anything else. And mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer that a lot of times we don't do things until we see somebody else do them. That's mm-hmm. why I say there's such thing as possibility models and role models. Now there are different options out there, and the girls are going to start taking those options because now they see that they exist. And eventually there's going to be an oversaturation of girls trying to get into acting and things like that. But mm-hmm. the knowledge that is that, that that is needed 
they hid that knowledge from us in a place they know we would never find it, in a book. You know how long it takes us to pick up a book to inquire the knowledge that's out there for us? That's why it takes so long for things to catch on. I mean, at the end of the day, that's not like Monique said, that's not an option that you had to have, but that was the one that was most tangible to make your life conducive to the woman that you wore. I mean, at the end of the day, you couldn't go and get no job if you did not look a certain type of way because, once again, we as black people, we're very image conscious. We care about what people think. So you had to make sure that you look decent and presentable enough. And if it took you having to be with this man to get your money, to get what you need to do, to make sure Mm -hmm. that you're able to exist and navigate through life and function correctly, that's what you had to do. Or whatever whatever systematic oppression you had to overcome to make sure you had what you need to make your life conducive to the person you were, that's what you had to take. That's going to change because there's now options out for us now. Right. There's more options. We can be, we can navigate through life being the women we are now. We have to fight more to, to advance our rights, but the opportunities are there. And hopefully more women will take a part of that and look at us not as role models, but possibility models. Maybe we touched on something that did not work for you, but you can add your own to it. Implement your own into what we have created. Correct. Everybody's everybody's choice down, everybody's walk through life is not ever going to be the same. You know, I can't say for myself when I say that when I say that I am not ashamed of anything that I did in my past to get to where that I am where I am now because at forty three I'm still living. I have made everything that I've set out to do possible. I have I have broken boundaries where that I feel that people that people would not have ever known if they were not from my city. And right. as a little girl I used to I used to always look up to the girls, and what they were doing, I did not judge them because I did not walk in their shoes. So I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know what their plight was. I didn't know how they were getting it, but however they were getting it, as long as they weren't hurting anybody, as long as they weren't, weren't, weren't pushing anything on me, I didn't have a problem with that. You know, okay. and that's the bottom line. You know, we should not judge someone because of their shortcomings or because of the things that they that they felt like they wanted to do. If a girl wants to take the easy way out and is getting her to where she needs to get to be, my advice to her was is to save your money and put that stuff on the on on the side because there will be a rainy day. You know, okay. and that's I mean that's and, what it is. So, it is. and I hate to stop you. I hate to stop you. Love it all, but we have to move on. So I want to move on to support. Um, do you honestly feel that you receive support from your fellow trans sisters, or do you feel it's every woman for themselves? And, you know, if you agree with the latter in regards to the every woman for themselves, let us know what you are doing as an individual to make sure there is unity and support amongst the trans community. So, again, do you honestly feel that you receive support from your fellow sisters? And if not, you know, what, what are you doing to, to make sure that um, – there is unity and support among the trans community. I think it's clickish, Micah. It depends on from city to city that you go to um, that I've seen. It. And I can only speak from the entertainment sector because I'm not in every one city on a daily basis unless I'm going for makeup training or something. But I've noticed from city to city, certain girls rule the city. There are certain girls that are in charge or not necessarily in charge, but those are the, 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 the madames or the grand dames of the city. I do believe if they don't deem you a part of their social, their social circles, that sometimes it is every girl for themselves. Um, but the unity that I'm noticing, is, I see it more so with the girls that are not necessarily in the spotlight, the girls mm-hmm. that aren't in the 
I, I've noticed that they tend to have more of a unified circle. The one place that I'm going to tell you, I went and I saw a unity, um, just that it was, the, I don't know if it's unity or hospitality. I, I could be misjudging, but I went to New Orleans for Diamond of the South, and I competed for that. And out of all the places that I've been in my life, I have never felt such a sense of unity and a sense of, of camaraderie, though, and not necessarily from the contestants, but from the just the other trans women in the city, from the other gay men of the city, there was a unity and a welcoming spirit that I have never felt anywhere in my life. I don't know what's in that water down in New Orleans, but those are some of the <laughs> nicest people. Now, Just now, Doray, nice thank you, Doray. But, but, but Doray, I want to, <laughs> I want to ask you though. You know, what, what are you doing as an individual yourself to make sure that there okay. is unity and support? Um, walking into a room, making sure that I say hello to everyone, making sure that I'm approachable, that um, that I don't turn my nose up at people, that I try not to prejudge because I don't know you from a can of paint. I can only right. take you from the way that you present yourself to me, but just the general rule that I'm sure every everybody's parents taught them, when you walk into a room, you say hello to everyone. That opens up a form for a sense of gravitating towards whoever your spirit leads you to. We all know that we're not going to like everyone we meet, and that's the, the just life. But you will respect everyone that you come in contact with only because if you would avoid hitting a four-legged dog on the street, how do you not respect a human being that you come across every day? I don't have to like you to respect you. And, and right. as far as the and as far as the unity, the unity comes with again kindred spirits. You're going to gravitate toward people you have a kindred spirit with. It's not going to be everyone, but a unified front, as in it goes back with for me respect. I don't have to like this chick to respect this chick, and the fact that she has been through some of what I've gone through, as the ladies have said, none of our struggles are the same. We all have different journeys, but at the end of the day. Our, our struggle is the fact that we are transgender women and we're making our way through the tracks. That alone, to me, should unify anyone. So it starts with a simple hello. All right. Thank um, you so much. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, Go ahead. Go ahead, Maya. Go ahead. Um, well, Dore, um, it's absolutely right. But unfortunately, in in this day and age, I don't know how it is with the, the uh, more mature women, well, trans women, but um, I've noticed that a lot of girls, are just unfortunately shady. Um, back then I didn't know exactly why, but I feel a lot of it comes from them being uncomfortable with themselves or either being threatened by another woman. Like you guys said before, it should just be unity. Um, when I began my transition and I reached out to certain girls, like it was obvious shade, especially when I started coming into, you know, my own form and, and my transition and, um, it's like once I kind of got over that hill, those same girls that shaded me were like, oh, sis, and, you know, it, it mm-hmm. was very high schoolish and whatnot. But what I did to um, change that, because, like I said, I didn't get that when I was transitioning, um, I always said that when I did reach, reach that point, which I feel like we never will, you're constantly growing as a woman, but when I reached that point, I would um, – I always just lend a helping hand to, to any girl that I come across. I feel like when I see other girls beginning their transition, transitions or other girls that aren't as pretty as some of the other popular girls are or, or don't have that social status, I always check myself and remind myself that I was that same girl a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just to treat people like you would want to be treated because I remember being, 
that girl in the room that a lot of girls didn't know or didn't care for. So I just feel like it all stems back to unity. Um, even if you're not the prettiest girl or the most soft or, um, you know, you're not that girl that blends in with society, I still feel mm-hmm. like you that doesn't make you less of a girl. Like you still should reach out and help that girl to succeed and get to where everybody else is. Like it's, it's definitely not a competition, but um, in a sense it is, I guess. Okay. Does anyone um, else want to speak on support before I move on? Um, I would. Go ahead. Unity does exist for me. I am. It was other transgendered women like myself that taught me how to appreciate and how to manifest and grow into the woman that I am. Um, a man didn't teach me how to be a woman. You understand what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. the unity did take place at an early part of my life, and it transpired, and, and, and it constantly grows throughout my life. And what I have learned through that is, you have to allow yourself to be a student of life. As long as you're learning, as long as you're learning, you're constantly growing. And when you're growing, you're giving other people what they need to survive. And that's what I have learned, and that's what I try to give back. I mean, at the end of the day, none of us know everything. But if I give you the little bit that I do know that was passed down to me, I think I can break that stigma type, that stigma that we do, that we are not united and we don't help each other because everything that I learned, I learned from other women like myself that saw something in me that I did not see, so I tried to cultivate that in younger women. Okay, and, quick question. Some say being a lady is learned over time, So, and some say you're only a woman if you are born one. So when you hear these things, what's your initial reaction? And I want Monique to respond and Vanessa. Well, I, I do hear that often. I personally don't feel that What's between your legs makes you a woman mm-hmm. that does make you male, that does give you the gender of female. I do feel entitlement of being a woman comes from the knowledge mentally. And I do feel that if I've basically embodied myself to be a woman, I have paid attention to details about being a woman, and I have let that manifest within myself, I do mm-hmm. feel I'm entitled to be a woman. I'm entitled to be considered a woman. Now, you might not want to consider me a female, but I do feel like I should be considered a woman or a lady, whichever, whichever you decide to call me or refer to me as, because okay. I feel like those titles are given to you by knowledge. Right. Thank you so very much, Monique. I love your response. And what about you, Vanessa? Um, I think that I've just always been Vanessa. You know, I, I think that I've always been um, I've, I've always been very honest and open and very opinionated about the things that I do. If that makes me a woman or if it doesn't, oh well. You know, I'm here to please myself and to live righteously through God, and and I'm not looking for any validation from anybody else. I feel that at the end of the day, like the girl said, everybody's not going to like you. You know, I'm not trying to win this congeniality. I'm not trying to be everybody's best friend. You know, you're going to say things that I may not like. I'm going to definitely say things that you don't like. You know, and sometimes being a bitch is all a woman has, and that's that's just who I am. You know, I'm not going to make any apologies for it. It just is what it is. All right. Thank you so very much. Now, um, as you know, within the past year, (laughs) we've had many trans advocates and activists speak out on national platforms in support of the trans community. An example, Laverne Cox, who stars in Orange is the New Black and has been the first trans woman to appear on the cover of Time magazine. Kudos to her. Uh, Janet Mock, 
who is a writer, an advocate, and a New York Times bestselling author. And then we also have Carmen Carrera, who's a reality television personality, model, and burlesque performer. So what I'm going to do at this point is I want to play a quick audio, and then once it finishes, I would like your feedback on these three ladies and your feeling towards them being the national faces of transgender equality. So, of course, after I play the audio, I'm going to have some follow-up questions, and we'll talk about it. It's about six minutes now. In the event that it's too loud, I'll play another one, which may be a little bit lower. So here goes. I'm curious because, you know, I think all of us want to be educated, and, and Carmen was sort of uh, recoil a little bit when I asked her about her transition, and, and she said that, that people who are not educated about this or, or familiar with sort of transgenders they're preoccupied with the genitalia question. And I'm wondering if you think that's true and how, if, if you have the same feelings about that that Carmen does. I do. I was very proud of you for yes. saying that. And, and I do feel like there's a preoccupation with that. And I think that the preoccupation with transition and with surgery objectifies trans people. And then we don't get to really, really deal with the real lived experiences, the reality of, of trans people's lives is that so often we're targets of violence. We experience discrimination disproportionately to the rest of the um, um, community. Um, our unemployment rate is twice the national average if you're a trans person of color is four times the national average. The homicide rate in the LGBT community is highest amongst trans women. And if we, if we, when we focus on transition, we don't actually get to talk about those things. There's there a young woman named Ilan Nettles uh, who um, on August 17th was just walking down the street with some friends, you know, minding her own business, and she was catcalled by a couple of guys. And one of them, they, once they realized she was trans, she was beaten into a coma, and five days later she died. This is the reality of so many trans people's lives in this country, trans women of color, who are, whose lives are in danger simply for being who they are. And, and we're looking for justice for Elan's murder, and we're looking for justice for so many trans people across this country. And by focusing on bodies, we don't focus on the lived realities of that oppression and that discrimination. I want to learn, because I don't want this to be mm-hmm. an ongoing issue that I have with, with the community of which you are such a great spokesman and advocate. I want to learn why it is so offensive to actually just say that you grew up as a boy and you then, because you've always felt that you were female, you had surgery to become a woman, to become a real woman, as you say in the book. Why is it offensive? I think that we need to have a discussion about what gender is and gender expectations in our culture. I think that we are born and we are assigned a sex at birth. That is a matter none of us have control over, but we do have control over our destinies and over our identities, and we should be respected. It's not about the past. It's not about what surgeries I may or may not have had. It's not about how I disclose my gender to people. It's about who I am right now. I'm Janet Mock. I'm author of Redefining Realness, and I'm a fierce trans advocate, and I will continue to be exactly that. That's what I was on this show to do. If I spoke out every single time that someone said, called me out of my name or labeled me as something that I'm not, I would not have time to advocate for the fierce and urgent issues in my community, issues of poverty and joblessness, of a lack of health care, of violence, verbal and physical violence against trans women. How does it help you, Janet, that somebody like me, who has been such an open supporter of the community that you represent so well and so publicly, that you target me for what you knew would be a load of abuse that then followed. You did. The tweets last night ignited a firestorm of abuse and vilification my way because you said I had sensationalized your story 
Uh, I was not formerly a man. I wasn't formerly a boy. It was another tweet you said. Uh, all this kind of I rhetoric that you tweets. produced. And, and yet, and yet yeah, but Janet, they were important <laughs> tweets to me and important tweets to... And I did not tweet them at you. I tweeted them at the framework of your show and how they were packaging this right. story that we did. Our exchange was completely fine. But when you package something with the headline, until 18 was a boy, and also say formerly a man, when in talking about my beloved, the love of my life, and our interaction together... That is false advertising, and that is infotainment, because I understand as someone who worked, what is media, false about who worked, who worked but, at People but, magazine, but Janet, who worked as an editor, Janet, I understand not, that sensationalizing our story entices people to look in. But I hope that the no, best Janet, thing that we Janet, can get out of it is to be a learning and teaching moment for all of us. Janet. Is uh, biological women who exclude trans women wow. from hanging out because of our trans, transgender situation. I'm not leaving you out. So, I want to get late. Um, Chanel here is my friend. I'm staying with her. And I asked her, hey, you know, Chanel, like, can I go out with you? Because, you know, I want to, you know, go to, like, a regular, like, straight club. Maybe I might meet a nice guy. You know, she's going out with, like, her straight friends. And she usually hangs out with, like, all the girls from the show or, like, you know, the gay scene here in Los Angeles. So I'm like, let's do something normal. Because when I go to the club, it's always, like, Carmen Carrera's here. Like, you know, and I can never, like, hang out and just meet someone, you know, whatever. That doesn't know who I am. Whatever. And she's like, oh, it's a straight night tonight, so I'm sorry, Carmen, I can't go out with you. Like, how rude. I didn't know that my own friend would, you know, completely say that I cannot hang out with her because, you know, of whatever. And I would just like to add that when I go out to straight clubs or whatever, regular clubs, nobody knows. Okay, my business. I don't wear, like, a, I'm a trans, you know, T-shirt. You know what I mean? Because, honestly, it's a question of safety these days with, with all these weirdos, with all these weirdos and these losers out there who want to distri- discriminate against trans women. So I make sure that I'm very, you know, I'm not, try not to be the center of attention. I don't go for that, you know, whatever. Let's talk about Laverne's comment, okay, in reference to genitalia and the focus on the transition and not about what trans women face in relation to the unemployment rate, the violent attacks, and the blatant discrimination towards trans women and especially those of of color. So who would like to briefly just talk about those points of interest before I move to Janet and Carmen? I would for the the discrimination part. Like I said, I'm from South Carolina. I transitioned or I changed my name legally at a very early age. I did this because I was undergoing hormone therapy, and I worked in a hair salon, um, and this particular salon, I worked for a chain. I won't name them, but I worked in a chain, and I had a very homophobic um, manager. I, I looked female attire. I was undergoing my, uh, my hormone therapy. I was going to my endocrinologist, going to my, um, my, my, my therapist, doing all of this, and I applied for the legal name change, and I brought the legal documentation to work to let them know, you know, I, I am undergoing, you know, gender reassignment or undergoing, you know, um, a transition, 
and the, mm-hmm. and my new name reflect my new gender or whatever. I had to have a meeting with my company, uh, with the with the heads of the company. Um, I had to bring my lawyers in, and basically, I'm saying all that to say this: we do go through discrimination, but a lot of this, if we don't take the right steps to go through the the proper channels of getting your name legally changed, um, going to seeing the therapist, going to your endocrinologist, so that you have legal document legal documentation medical documentation, a lot of times you are going to be discriminated, you would be discriminated against, at least back in the, the early 90s, because like I said, this happened to me um, between 91 and say 94, when, like I said, now we've made leaps and bounds and strides, and we still have much more to go. <clears throat> My only thing that I can speak of as far as the discrimination, I did go through it, and had I not had the right legal legal documentation and medical records supporting me, they were going to fire me. They were going to put me out. And I was their top stylist at the time. And the only thing that saved them was a, was a lawsuit because I told them if you do, based on everything that I'm doing and I had to go through the company bylaws, I will sue the brakes off of you. Have you ever I believe go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, I believe I believe discrimination does exist, and the bigger picture of it is it, it has a lot to do with all those issues that you spoke of. But at the end of the day, it does not matter. It does not matter how qualified you are, how educated you are, how beautiful you are. All of those mm-hmm. things that we can do, I can just run out here and save a child from a burning building. And if they yep. interview me and a piece of me is identified as something outside of what they expect or what is not expected to come from me, mm-hmm. all of my accomplishments are going to be summed up to be what's between my legs. That's going to be the object of conversation. And I think yep. that is discrimination that is most hurtful toward the building of trans women in their lives with moving forward and navigating through life. That is hurtful and that's disrespectful for you to sum up something somebody's accomplishments or anything they have done to what's between their legs. Go ahead. Right. Can I add on? Go ahead. You know, I've just been going through this recently. I worked at, I I graduated from nursing school in 2006. At the time that I graduated, I was a spokesmodel here in New Orleans for um, Job One, which is an initiative to get people back into the workforce by offering them education through scholarship and all of that. So I had done all that prior to my surgery, my SRS. Recently, when I had my SRS in 2011, I had been working for the same nursing facility for, at that time, four years. And once I had my SRS and I came back and my name changed and all of the things had, had started going, taking place, and everything started rolling, you know, the ball started rolling where I changed my first name from Loic to Vanessa, um, I started to get a lot of, a, a lot of flack from it, from staff and, you know, just from, you know, people at the workplace. Now, mind you, I had already been working there for five and a half years. So these people were once my friends. They had come to see me at pageants. They, I, I really considered them to almost be family because when you're working with somebody for five and a half years and sometimes 16-hour shifts, you start to become a part of their world and they become a part of yours. You know, the tragedy of it all is is that this isn't something that you would think that went on in the 90s or the 80s or, the you know, whatever. It's still going on to this day. And as a result of it, I had to leave not just one job but two jobs over the last three months and have been unemployed up until last week where I got employment. I, 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 got, I was able to get um, gainful employment through a corporation 
which in the state of Louisiana, our laws for work discrimination, we don't have a law based on uh, discrimination here. It's, Louisiana is a right-to-work state, so they really have, if they feel like they want to come in tomorrow and say, basically give you hell at work and, and make you feel like you're less than, you really have no, you really have no legal standpoint or any legal grounds to sue them because there's no law in place in the state of Louisiana that protects you from that kind of workplace discrimination. And the sad, and as sad as it is, it is so true that I went as far as doing a, uh, I went as far as doing a, 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 a document, a do, little document, document, little documentary with one of the local news reporters here, just begging the facility that I worked at to please stop giving me bad references because they were making it impossible for me to get a job after I resigned because the workplace was so hostile. So, you know, no matter, you, you, could, you, could, you could finish school and be valedictorian of your class. At the end of the day, they still view you as a transsexual. They still view you as something different from them. And like I said, in order for us to be seen as equal, People are afraid of what they don't know. So if we if we try to educate people, that's the only way that we're going to get equality because people just don't understand it and they're not ready to understand it. So I mean, it's it's a tragedy, but it still exists to this day. Now, Janet Mock, and thank you, Vanessa. Um, Janet Mock spoke about not wanting to be addressed as being formerly a man. She rather the phrase, excuse me, she rather the phrase "born a baby." Now, does that offend you when those who aren't knowledgeable of what a trans woman is speak to the fact that you aren't biologically a woman and must reference the fact that you were at one yes, point yes, living yes, with us? Yes. Okay. Go yes, ahead. Because at the end of the okay. day, there's a level of growth that takes place between a male. You can be born male but never mature and develop into a man. A man right. is determined by the role that he plays in his life, the responsibility that he takes in his life, and the way he impacts and treats others through his life. I was born male, but I never matured to that level of growth that takes place between a male and a boy. Mm-hmm. There's a big okay. difference. Yeah, I, I feel the same with... way. I've never, I've never been a boy or a man, so it would be, mm-hmm. uh, it would just be asinine to even say that about me because, like I said earlier, yes, maybe I was born male, but I never was born a boy or a man because mm-hmm. I think those titles are gained from knowledge. So I've never lived a, a lifestyle of a man or a boy or knowing how to basically maneuver in life as either one of those. So it, it's just it's stupid to even refer to me as that. Okay. Now, Amaya, I, I want you to, to, to speak on it because, you know, you, you started your transition um, around, what, 2021. So, you know, right. I'm sure that you – know, so speak on that. You know, does it offend you? Or um, you? Honestly, it doesn't. It doesn't offend me, and then again, it does. Um Granted, I was born a male. Of course, my mom did name me Fabian. I was her son at at that moment. But until I came into my own and started to realize who I was as a person, I, um, you know, I I really didn't know what to identify. That then I just knew that I was different, like I had stated before. But it it doesn't offend me. Um, I was born a male, and I just always tell people that I transitioned into a beautiful woman. I was never a man or, you know, a young male because I never experienced life as um, a man or, you know, an adult man. Even when I was in high school and, you know, I was going through my things or whatever mentally, I I knew 
you know, what time it was, but I didn't identify, I didn't exactly identify with a woman or as a male. I just knew that there was just something different about me. But um, it doesn't offend me. I feel like, you know, somebody knowing that I was born a male doesn't change the fact that I'm a woman today. Like, it, it has nothing to do with that. I don't, like, everybody knows I post pictures on Facebook, like, what is it, the um, Transition Tuesdays or whatever it is. I don't mind showing people um, my pictures of me as a young boy or, or whatnot. That doesn't defer who I am today. Like, I'm still a woman. Yes, you may know that I was, you know, a little boy back then, but I'm not offended by it. I, I feel like it's all a mental thing. It's not about what they know, but it's about what I know and what I educate them to know after they, you know, found out that I was born a male. And that's kind of like how I see it. Thank you, Amaya. Now, Monique, Ebony, and Vanessa, I'm just going to, because I'm glad Amaya said that, so I, I want to ask this question. Because I have noticed that, you know, some ladies do not like to have pictures, you know, of them from their childhood resurface because of various reasons. So, Monique, Ebony, and Vanessa, is that something that you just choose to keep private? And if so, why? Well, unfortunately, yes. all of mine was destroyed with the hurricane. So, um, if okay. I wanted to, they were not able to be published. Okay. Monique? My standpoint. Well, what I was saying or getting ready to say, I, I feel it basically regresses your accomplishment. Um, okay. Is this what we strive to do? And that's why I said earlier I, I consider it transmogrified because that's when you transform magically and surprisingly. So I, I hold what I've done in such high regard Mm-hmm. where it's almost, I like to compare it to building an empire. There's so much wealth with myself now. Why should I constantly remind individuals that I have basically struggled to come from? So gotcha. I, I think it's really crazy when I see girls do that because why did you go through what you went through if you want to keep reminding <laughs> hey, look, you know, it, yeah. it, I, I don't choose to do things like that. I really don't. That's understandable, and I, and I can respect your decision. I'm, I'm partially with you when it does come to that. But I also look at it as, um, like, like you did say before, it is an accomplishment for myself because, you know, I'm proud of who I am. But I also use it as a reminder to, you know, show where I've come from. That yes, I, have, I did have a past of me being a young male. Yes, I did go through certain things that, I wouldn't wish on anybody else, but look where I am today. I also look at it as a blueprint, as a sense, or as um, a sense of hope for those who are going through the transition and don't exactly know what to look forward to. I kind of use that as a way of saying, well, you know, I did come from this. I went through that, and I did get here. It does get better after all of that. So I can kind of understand, like, why would you want to keep reliving that? But then again, I also have a different Motive behind yeah, right. as you have to a what I do it for. Right. Totally right. Okay. Because growing up, I didn't, so, you know, I didn't see oh, that. Okay. Vanessa, and then we'll move on. Yeah. Personally, I don't have a problem. I mean, I honestly, truthfully don't have a problem with, with people knowing that I used to be of, 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 of male, gen, male gender. I, I mean, I think that it's, like Amaya said, it's about, it's about your testimony. You know, I don't think that the woman that I am today would not be the woman that I am if it were not for the challenges that I that I faced growing into this woman. And I think that sometimes people 
you know, they tend to forget about or, or want to distance themselves from where they come from. But that's all of your make. That's your makeup. That's that. That's your journey. And and to deny your journey, I just think sometimes for me, I chose not to deny it because I think that's being selfish. And I have pictures of myself. Um, maybe one picture of myself on my Facebook page when I was a little boy, but, mm. you know, it's only because I don't have any other pictures. And it's not something that, you know, I'm ashamed of. It's just something that I don't have very many pictures of it, you know, of me right. as, as a young, as a, as a, as a child. So, you know, no, I don't have a problem. And just to quick that, that, I also feel like when you do try to shun that or hide not to say that that's what you're doing, but try to, like, hide who you were in the past. You know how society already is and they're already against us. Sometimes they like to take that and use that against you when they see that that's something that you're trying to hide or you're trying to distance yourself from. Nobody can well, never yeah, that's why you against me. Because, with ammunition to use that against you. I mean, right, but it's not ammunition towards want, me because... Tangible proof but, of my past will never be acceptable to them. That, that's just right. how I feel about that type of thing. And how I'm saying is that with them, no one can never use it as ammunition towards me because before they can put it out, I already have it here. I'm, I'm aware of who Fabian is. I love Fabian. Fabian made it possible for Amaya to be here today, so nobody can never use that against me. Like, I'm aware of that. I'm proud of that person. So them using that is kind of like, okay, you know, what else is new? Like, I, I advertise this all the time it's no big secret. So I kind of think it would be more so ammunition towards a trans woman who's not necessarily ashamed but trying to hide that or don't want anybody to know about it. Like, you know, like it is what it is. That's who you are. And, you know, you should embrace. If somebody's going to embrace Amara, you have to embrace Fabian and know where she came from before, you know. All right. That's the motivation for girls to see to see you in that aspect, you know, to see you as as a youngster and where you've come from. It, it's motivating because I, I mean, to me, it's motivating. I would think. I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but I mean, I think it's just motivating to know where you started and where you are now. And I also think it's I just don't include my life as a male to be a part of my journey. I hear a lot of girls saying, oh, that's part of your journey. That's where you started. No, I started when I began to live as Italy. That's when my journey started. My journey did not start when I was born as a male. So I don't implement that phase of my life into my journey as Italy. Well, mine did. I I, I will say this and we can move on. I I just truly believe that everybody has their (laughs) own journey whatever that journey is. And we, you know, of course, you know, it's, it's our respect here, you know. Um, but I just think that, Absolutely. You, know, you know, we can agree to disagree because everybody's journey is their own. And I understand where Monique is coming from, and I understand where Amaya is coming from. And who knows, Amaya, 10 years from now, you, you may have a different outlook because, you know, happy right. birthday, you know, so eventually you, you, may, you may get to that point. But I totally understand where you're coming from. I understand what your purpose is at this point in your life, and I applaud you for it. So moving on, um, Carmen Carrera spoke on her personal, and this is a little funny question, but I do want to know. Uh, Carmen Carrera spoke on her personal bid about the fact that one of her straight girlfriends made it a point to advise her that a certain club night was deemed straight. And even though you can hear her friends say in the background, no, it's not like that, Obviously, Carmen was offended. So, have any of you ever gone to straight clubs? And if so, 
what are you looking for that you can't get by going to an openly gay club? I want you to answer that question first, and then I'll move to the next question. Whoever would like to answer that first? <laughs> well, we all answer. It'll be short and sweet. I promise. I promise. Um, this is the thing. I have, you know, I've lived both ways. I've gone to straight clubs with, with, with as being post-op, and I've gone to straight clubs pre-op. It's about comfort. It's about comfort to me. I, I, I enjoy, I, I'm in a relationship, so going to a club necessarily does not mean to, it's not the same thing for me when I was single, but mm-hmm. going to a club, an openly gay club, I tend to have a little bit more fun because I'm a little bit more relaxed. Going okay. to straight clubs even now after my surgery, there's always that there's always going to be that one girl there that is going to try to either spill your tea if you're with her or with not, and it's just an uncomfortable position to be in to be constantly looking over your shoulder and wondering if oh did they tell him or is this guy going to come up and talk to me and then two seconds later his boy's going to tap him on the shoulder because someone's already told him my business and so it's just uncomfortable you know. So I choose. To, I'd rather go to gay clubs. You know. Okay. Well, um, Evan, um, go ahead. Can I answer? Go ahead, Evan. Um, <laughs> I've experienced both, and I still frequent both. Um, they both give you two different types of feeling. Um, there's a difference between somebody living for you and somebody desiring you. When I go to the gay clubs, the kids live for me, and it's a different level of appreciation. And mm-hmm. even though they are male, a lot of them, they still don't have a desire and a, a desire for the woman that I am and able to hold me in the way that a man that desires me does. Okay. So there's a difference between live and desire. And mm-hmm. when I go to the straight club, every man that desires me does not know that that part of me exists, but the ones who have an appreciation and want to go a step further to get to know me, that's usually what takes place. And if I'm going to a straight club nine times out of ten, it's going to find a new male companion to go to a next level with. When I go to the gay club, to answer your question, is to really go out and enjoy myself and be with people who share like minds like myself or even to, 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 to get with the new buzz or the new fashion trend and learn from the other people around me. That's okay, Doray. Doray, let me ask Doray because I haven't heard from her in a minute. Doray. <laughs> well, I've been just listening. <laughs> you learn more by listening. For me, I've been going to straight clubs since I was in my teens. I'm a celebrity in my city. I am the transsexual of my city. I am like right. the RuPaul of this. So, with that being said, it's not for me people that don't know who I am. So, I don't go to gay bars because, one, the, the younger kids are disrespectful. They're rude. I hate the music. I'm not much of a drinker. They don't. They don't. They don't anything that I want to drink. Um, you always have to worry about the gay kids fighting. And more so, y'all quit laughing. I'm serious. The lesbians are fighting like hell because they got these testosterones that they're trying to exercise. And almost every gay club that I go to, the lesbians are fighting harder than the gay men. So. That's a little bit much for me. And at 43, I am so not in the mood. Now, let's get to the straight club. Okay, okay stop it. So now let's get to the straight club. I have no desire to be straight men. I think straight men are crazy as hell, and I want no part of them. Kill yourself. Kill yourself. Any straight man that comes near me, I let him know immediately I am a transsexual. What do you want? All away from me. I'm not interested in you. Okay, so so here's the question. What, lady, lady, don't let me what? finish. No, because okay, I didn't finish. So I go to the straight clubs because I am very popular with my straight girlfriends that knew who Clifton Wilson was, 
and they've accepted DeRay Saunders. So we're like the real housewives. We're like the real housewives of Columbia. We go all over the city. I mingle with doctors, lawyers, physicians, um, musicians. I mingle with a whole different social social set of people. So when I'm at the straight club, it's more networking, socializing. I with my friends, the the, the straight club play the older R and B music that I grew up to that I can be in a social setting with. And for those that have a problem with it, that is their issue. It is not my concern. I'm gonna reiterate something that the ladies were talking about earlier. I don't care what you call me, it's what I answer to. And at this point in my life I have nothing to prove and I owe no one anything. So for me going to a straight club, it's all about because I'm networking and hanging out with my with my girlfriends and by the way, I also hang out with a lot of straight males that are just that straight males. But I'm not going looking for no companion. Don't want to meet a straight guy. Get away from me. Kill yourself. Okay. <laughs> All right. So so, so Doray, can I speak now? Doray, can I speak now? Yes, please. Yes. Okay. Well, well ladies, um, what are your thoughts on girls who attend straight venues just to continue to test their realness? What do you say to those? Oh, that's a, or what do you think about? Oh, well, well <laughs> I'm I mean, well, anyone that knows me personally knows I love to be in a heterosexual atmosphere. I mean, okay. it has nothing to do with I still need validation about a realness or anything mm-hmm. like that because. I know what I can do. I know what I cannot do. So I'm not mm-hmm. still learning myself. Those mm-hmm. girls that are doing that, mm-hmm. they are not sure of themselves. They, once you learn what you can and cannot do, there's no need to still test the waters and, and try to figure things out. And I'm at a point in life where I know what I can do. I, I know myself. So I know my strength, as Whitney Houston says. But I, I just love being in an atmosphere like straight clubs. Uh, Ebony and I have attended a straight club, so I, I just love the euphoria of being in that heterosexual atmosphere because with, you know, being at the gay club, it's like you're constantly under a microscope, and that is uncomfortable for me. You know, like Vanessa said, she's more comfortable at a gay club. I'm uncomfortable at gay clubs because you're constantly just being looked at and, they're looking at this and they're observing this and that, and it makes mm-hmm. me uncomfortable. But when I'm at a straight club or basically being into that heterosexual atmosphere. You're viewed as equal until they find exactly. otherwise. Exactly. Um, what, what, about, what about the women that sock it to each other? So this is me playing devil's advocate to you, Italy. By the way, you're absolutely beautiful. I've known you forever. But my thing is this. If women are under the scrutiny every day, and they, you know how women sock it to each other, every day, reading the girl for not being as lovely or as pretty or her weave ain't as tight or her lash ain't as beat or whatever the case may be, you're no different from them, though you may not feel the scrutiny. Trust me, they are getting you together because they may be jealous of you not knowing your teeth, not about knowing your teeth. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely correct about that because I have experienced those situations where biological females have said negative things concerning my look or things like that. But at the end of the day, yeah. it is because of jealousy or hate or something like that. So I really don't pay that any attention. I really don't. Okay. And I said I, I think I, I think I think that I got I think when I said that I like going to homosexual clubs and gay clubs more than I do straight clubs is not because of the fact that I you know I I have a more kindred spirit there. I just think that it's it's more relaxing for me. I have nothing to prove to anybody there. So going to a straight club, it's all about you know, that it's all about, you know, people are trying to be something and a lot of times that they're not. And so I don't want to go into a situation where I'm drinking and having a good time 
and have to constantly be looking over my shoulder wondering whether or not, oh, did this person say this or did this person say that because it is what it is. You know, I mean, Vanessa, question. I mean, the demographics, I mean, Vanessa, you're from New Orleans, and Monique, you're from New Orleans. It's more or less, I'm from New Orleans as well. We didn't have those barriers and those cultural barriers. Like yeah, people accepted us. You had to intertwine. You had to mingle. There was no such yeah. thing really as it. We only had one, well, one gay club or two, and the other one was for older people that we didn't identify with at the time. So we had to mingle with the straight community. So we were embraced early in life to go out and get your feels as the woman that you are. There was no in between. When you were feminine, yeah, when we were coming up, they had they immediately grid you and reared you into this woman. You was now a female figure. You was now a girl. You know what I'm saying? That was the, they, 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 that's how they received and treated you. Right. You were forced into mingle and intertwine with people that shared different views from you, whether they were straight or not. You still had to coexist with each other and have fun doing it. So that's a level of comfortability. Exactly. For me, I can find comfort yeah. in the boat, but like I said, there's a difference between somebody living for me and somebody that has a desire for me. Right. right. And, and you know, um, we, you know, the blue and the detail and all the clubs that we used to go to, it wasn't even, we, I don't even think we really thought of it as, oh, well, we're going to go to the gay club or we're going to go to the straight club. We were going where it was, yeah, where it was popping it. You know, I mean, we would go okay. to four or five different straight clubs in a night and then end up at the gay bar. So it wasn't, it's just comfort for me now. You know, I'd rather okay. just go around the, you know, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let me interject let me, let me um, so we can move from this, um, but I do want to ask this question. Um, do you feel the ladies that we spoke about just briefly, Laverne Cox, Janet uh, Mock, and Carmen Carrell, represent you and the entire trans community? No. 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 So, so the general consensus no. is no. Okay. I, I disagree. I, I disagree. Okay, Ebony, tell us why you disagree, and then we're moving on. I don't, I don't need any explanations from no. Go ahead. Um, even, even though they, a lot of them does not identify with an image that's being projected or a personal way we identify ourselves image-wise, all mm. of those ladies possess a fire in us to make the world a different place and change for us as trans women. That's why I say I identify. Each of them take a different path to getting that change and mm. have different views and agenda, but overall the whole purpose is change and advancement for the transgender community. That's why I agree. And I agree. Amen, sister. Okay, so... Um, Let's see what I want to say. Okay, let me read this real quick because I don't know if I want to say this or not. Uh, okay, okay, here we go. What are your honest thoughts on women who are once a part of the gay community as trans women upon getting the reassignment surgery, um, they part ways with the community to live the heterosexual lifestyle? Oh, God. That's the new word that's called stealth. Okay, women that are stealth. That's the new word they use. Women that go under the radar are individuals within a lifestyle. I learned that at the mm-hmm. conference, stealth, ladies and gentlemen. It's okay. when an individual go under the radar to obtain things in life or live a life that they feel as though it's conducive to who they are. It's like they withdraw a part of them to live as someone else or do something that they desire to do. Um, Y'all can answer now. I just want to put that out there. Can, no, I, I, can I say something about this? Yeah, well, before you do, I, I want to say the reason why I ask this is because I've noticed in my short time, what, 14 years of being really involved in, on the scene, and I've noticed that they, and I've met ladies, and I came up under 
uh, transgender women um, when I first came into the gay scene. So um, I think that's why my passion and why I want to put you guys on the platform so you can put, you know, your stuff out there and for the world to know. But um, what I've noticed is that there are women, trans women, who do not hang in the clubs, have not affiliated with the gays, you know, any of that. You know, and then they start. You know, they start out, and they and, and they're living that heterosexual lifestyle. It's, it's a, it's a, it's, I mean, I'm sure it's a many of them that walk by me, and I don't even, you know, I don't even know it. I don't even know that they're trans women because um, they're not in the entertainment, they're not in the clubs, they're not in the scene. But then you have those ladies who, for years, have been in the gay community, have been in the scene, maybe have been in entertainment, and then they get their surgery. And then it's like, okay, bye-bye, and then now they want to live a heterosexual lifestyle. I don't, have, I don't care either way, but I just want your, your, your thoughts on the ladies who do that, not, not the, you know, so much ladies. I think it's a personal choice. Personal choice. I think, it's a personal, I think it's a personal choice because, again, maybe I'm crazy, but mm-hmm. after talking, after going through the therapy that I went through with my therapist, mm-hmm. um, like I said, go through all the stuff that you go through, I think, you know, there's a part of you and I, there's a part, or at least back during my day, that there was a very high rate of suicide among transgendered women because a lot of our sisters would get the surgery thinking that they're going to live the picture-perfect life, the house, the two, uh, the two kids, the dog, and the picket fence, and you figure that you have to separate yourself from whence you once came. I say mm-hmm. that is if that's what you believe and that's how you feel, I don't mm-hmm. have a problem with it. I'm not judging I have no judgment because I have no hell, no heaven to put them in. I just feel that if that's what you feel you need to do to complete your womanness mm-hmm. or your transition, then mm-hmm. God bless you. I don't have an issue with one way or the other, but I do understand why some would. Right. But, but the reason they, they would is because they're not being accepted in the community. I, I don't know any other girls on the panel that have had their SRS, but speaking as one that has had their SRS, I was very active, and I would go out to shows, and I would, you know, I would mingle, and I was never ashamed of being a part of the transsexual community prior to having my surgery or after having my surgery. As a matter of fact, I think I probably, after my surgery, became more vocal and more, and, and, and was attendance more than I was prior because I just felt more comfortable being me. And at that point, I don't believe that there was anything that anybody could tell me. The problem is, is that now after surgery, I have noticed that when I go to events or if I'm around, um, I'm around people that I was friendly with before, they treat me differently than they did prior to my surgery, whether it be because of, because of the fact that they just don't understand why I'm still out or why I come mm-hmm. out or, you know, why, why this or why that. But, again, it's my choice. And I think that a lot of girls tend to shy away from the community once they have their surgery is because people don't reach out to us anymore. They don't consider us to be a part of that You're community. You're no longer they don't. a wild factor to the community. That, that's, right. That's and that's, that's, and that's what's so sad. And that's sad. Well, Vanessa, I, no one, sad. Because, I don't really feel it's sad because I definitely know what my existence is to the community as a pre-op, I know what they love about me and what they admired and what they wanted to see me for because I was a pre-op. After surgery, they feel, okay, you're no longer a wild factor. You're a woman now. So nothing about you really wilds us anymore. And I guess that's why a lot of post-ops tend to shine away from the scene. And that, makes, that makes sense. Just my opinion, not, mm-hmm. not saying that it's, it's the law. 
that all post ops should do it, but I mm-hmm. do feel like that should be the goal to definitely stray away from that lifestyle because, you know, it's. But if those are your friends and they have been your friends for all for for as many years as you've been a part of the community, to have that taken away from you after going through so for me anyway for go from going for for going through that surgery and not having and and not having a friend to say you know today's been a bad day or you know, oh, I just want to go out with you today or let's just go to the club and having people roll your, their eyes at you and like, what are you doing here? That is the worst thing that you could possibly do to anybody. That is what well, I, I think. That, you know, I think it all falls back on to, to what we were saying earlier about um, everything down to what's between our legs. I feel like if Ebony is, is that woman and everybody knows her, regardless of what she has between her legs, shouldn't matter. Like, that shouldn't determine how people are going to the community or they're going to, we're going to support you. But once, you know, you cross over, you get a certain surgery, then we're not going to up. Like, it just seems like everything is all boiled down to what's between the Because I think the mentality at that point is, well, you're, you're, you're a bona fide woman. Legally, you are, I mean, like, even though you go and have certain paperwork done and, and you still, even if you're pre right. you know, you consider, but... I think the general consensus is, oh, you're a woman now, like, in their eyes. Now, I'm not saying the trans, I'm saying it in, in everybody else's right. eyes. You're a woman now, sweetheart, so you must move along. Like, it, to them, it's not like trying to push you out for some, but it's more so, okay, why are you, you know, I get, I get why they may think, like, well, why are you still here? You know, you've done exactly. what, what, you, what you wanted to do in life, or you, you've come to that plateau. What is your and point you're for still, still being around us? Right, and if you're still wanting to be around that community that backed you up from the beginning, that should go to show you that, you know, the surgery isn't, wasn't based off of me moving on from you guys or, you know, this, this mm-hmm. time period or these certain people aren't just a stepping stone. Like, you know, this, I'm here for you guys, and it's like the surgery really shouldn't matter. Yes, I, I understand and understand, well, you know, she has her a bad while be around queens or whatever, but a lot of people don't look at it that way. Some people are just you know, prone to the people that they're around and the surgery wouldn't affect anything. If I had gotten, I still feel like I would be the same person, you know, I am today. People don't know what I have. Now I, I can easily go around and be like, well, I have this and that. Nobody knows for sure, and I don't think people should, you know, expect other people to move on or, you know, act a certain kind of way because they went and got a surgery. That's how, well, you know. She she got her breast done, so you know she can't hang around the guys that get up and drag. You know she needs right. to only transgender women or you know girls with bags or whatever. So now, but like, I mean, so like, were you ever friends before? Like, were they Vanessa, ever really Vanessa, your friends? Vanessa, let me right. ask you this. Let me let, let me ask you this so we can move on. We only have about twenty five minutes, but I love the conversation and I love the feedback that I'm getting from everyone. Um, but I want to ask Vanessa this question. Um, Vanessa, I've noticed that you stated on Facebook that people seem to have an issue with you doing pageants since you are now a post-op transgender woman. Why do you feel they have a problem, and what do you want to say to those people? I, I believe that they have a problem because of what I just said, what I just said. I think that people have an issue with girls who have the SRS and still wanting to be a part of the community because they don't feel like we're a part of that community anymore. 
I, I think that it comes to I, I think that it I think that what people have the biggest problem with is that they don't understand and I think that when girls come around it don't even have to be me, it could be Monique, it could be Ebony, it could be Amaya, it could be even Doray. Doray's talented. Amaya's beautiful. Ebony is a beautiful. She's smart. Monique is beautiful and smart. And when you get when you're in a position and I'm not saying it's all people. I'm saying that when you're in a position where you come around people who may think that they are less than, when you're around them, you show them what they really want to be. And to have that staring back at you, looking back at you, and you are being gracious and you're, you're not putting on airs and you're just being yourself and you're just being real, it makes them think and that makes them hate you. You know, if you're comfortable in your own skin, people that aren't comfortable in their own skin are going to hate you for that because they idolize that. They want to be what you are, and they don't see that happening for them. You know, I wish I could shake it like Doray doing Tina Turner, but I can't. That's not, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to like her or I'm going to say, oh, God, I don't want her around me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not as popular as Ebony. That's not going to make me say I hate her and I don't want her to be around me. You know, I'm not as young as Amaya. That's not going to make me hate her or not want to be around her. I may not be as intelligent as, as Monique, but that's not going to make me hate her or not want to be around her. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's, I think it's a, a comfort level that you have to have with yourself in order to get past that. And when you're confident in yourself and you're happy with what's going on in your life, people are miserable, and misery loves company. And I feel like a lot of the, the brush-offs that I get are from people who aren't happy. I'm sorry, my No, I'm just really um, – go ahead. What did you say? No, go ahead. Oh, I was just curious about that. Like, so people look at it like, okay, well, you know, she has a different part. So, you know, like, does that guarantee that you're going to win the pageant or does that automatically just say, well, she's better than, you know – more qualified than the other contestants just because of your SRS? Like, I don't really get it. Like, is there, like, something right. about the SRS that's going to beat them? Because I would bet girls with that. Uh, that doesn't guarantee that, well, you know, you're going to answer the question or... Right. Well, Maya, I, I, I would hope, honestly, I would hope that they don't think that because as we've seen over recent years and we've seen for a long time in pageantry that anyone can be... It ain't happened. Just because you have have breaks, does not um, does does not validate the fact that you are going to beat. You know, I, I've seen the girls who live their life as boys beat the girls who have the breasts and all of that. I, I would hope that people are still not on that that journey and thinking that because if not, then they must be in a damn closet, you know, clothes somewhere or whatever. But no, he is buried in a hole. But. Yeah. That goes back to something you just said, Michael, but you kind of touched on it, but didn't. Or back, I'm sorry, with Vanessa. People are unhappy with with who they are, then they attack what they see, which brings up the stigma that you didn't bring it up, Michael, but I have to go on and throw it out there for all of our male counterparts that always say no fats, no fems. A lot of times the the brick queen looks at us and they roll their eyes and they treat us a certain kind of way. I have been, been more discriminated against amongst my gay men than heterosexuals in the world. And it's mm-hmm. always the butch queens, no offense, that look at us and roll their eyes. And my, mm-hmm. my issue is, are you mad because I'm free to be me and you can't be who you want to be? Exactly. Are you and, and, about and, that? Anthony Sherry, didn't, we, didn't they talk about that at, at the conference? Yes, we did. We're, I mean, we're, we're, I really feel it, so. 
Exactly. If if we're not there entertaining them, they make us feel out of place. I sometimes yes, I go no. to the club. They be like, they be like, you doing a show? Why do I got to be so going on? Because I'm here. You know, yeah. I'm like, exactly. Exactly. That's your purpose. That's your purpose for the gay community. So. You know, that we're looked at as entertainment. We're so only that goes looking- back to what I was saying earlier. Every day is a struggle and a constant fight for us to prove that we're normal in a world that views us as abnormal and not human. <laughs> yes, so, ma'am. Do you think, so, so, do you, so do you think that every day is more work to do in our community? When I say our, I'm saying the LGBTQ community. It starts here. It starts it's within our-, our community. A lot of the women yeah. that live their lives as transgender don't understand what it means to be that. They don't understand the difference between gender and sexuality and sex and gender. They don't understand transsexualism and transgenderism and how these two different, how these how these things differ from each other. So you're involved in something you have no knowledge of. You know, they're embarking on something they have no knowledge of. So how can you further teach other people? Even if you cannot impact the world, you have the ability to teach the people around you. And each one of us have a close-knit circle that if we give them the right information, we'll make the world a better place for each other. Yes, I agree. Can we all just get along? (laughs) You would hope that. But we're not even into the social status or getting into if you don't drive a certain car, you don't make a, a certain amount of money. If you're not in with this person, you're not in with the clique. We as I gay. Honestly, I can honestly say those are some of the systematic oppressions that we fall under because we want to be accepted. I know that I was going through life, I was going to have some negative stripes, but the only way I could get those negative stripes away from me was by causing wonderful distractions. That's that's when I began to implement all the beauty treatments on myself. I began to get the material things that took away from the attention of me being a transgender woman, and they focused on how lovely I was while being her. So the distraction, I used my beauty and the fabulous things around me to distract away from the real issue. And after a certain point in life, you get tired of that. You want people to embrace you for who you are and not what you're well, bringing definitely. and not your physical aesthetic. You know, you're more than just a visual person. You're more than your physical your physical aesthetic. You're going to always Ebony. see a girl that's more beautiful than you, a girl that has better body, but you have to expand your mind so you eliminate your competition. And that's where we as trans women have to get to the next level, evolve mentally right. so we that's can right. erase all those other stigmas that exist. Now, let me do that. Beauty phase must last forever. But we as gays strive for equality. But if you notice, ladies, we have we're the biggest group of separatists amongst us. We're separated by color, by sexuality, by social status, by what we drive. And at the end of the day, um, and I'm gonna go ahead, let you go ahead with Micah. The, what you said, Ebony, um, I understand where you would say the the distractions. But I, though she does not say it, she speaks it. I would probably be more liking myself towards Monique. Her intelligence breaks down everything for me. That's how you really sock it to a chick. If you really want to get somebody together, you don't have to, a lot of times you don't have to have the best this, that, and the other, but every time this woman has opened her mouth for me, her intelligence speaks volumes. That, to me, will always break it down. And that came from experience. And that came from experience. That's why I say you have to render yourself to be a student of life. You cannot shun somebody's path because path leads to information. And the information that she have now, she got that because she went down various paths. That comes from right. information. That comes from experience. Okay. And that's the what point I'm, I was trying to make. Thank you, uh, ladies. Love it. Ooh, I, I wish it could be three hours. But um, let me, I'm going to ask 
questions. I have a few, uh, just a few questions, but I'm going to just pinpoint one person to answer them so I can move on and we can close out the show. So I want to ask this question. I'm going to give it to Monique. Okay, Monique, this is the question, and no, nobody else can respond. <laughs> what advice can you give to a trans woman considering going back to living male due to family, religious, or religion, excuse me, and normalcy reasons? Again, what advice can you give to a trans woman considering going back to living male due to family, religious reasons, or just normalcy reasons? My advice to that individual would be this. I recall years ago when I was dealing with pageants and things like that, I remember, rest her soul, Basha, when she was Miss Black America and mm-hmm. she was soliciting contests coming competition year, she and I were talking. And at that point in time, I'll, I'll compare it to what I was going through at that time. I was in a relationship where that person didn't really want me to do the pageants and things like that. And so I'll compare it to that. If an individual is living her life as a woman, a trans woman, and she feels she needs to negate that lifestyle because of family and religion, in a lot of sense is what I would tell that individual. You must define yourself for yourself, or you will find yourself in someone else's fantasy of you, and you'll be eaten alive. So that's the advice I would give them. Yes, God, thank you so very much, Monique. Now, Ebony, here's yours. I hope everybody out there that's um, is really listening to these ladies because they're really speaking tonight, and I appreciate it. Now, Ebony, here's yours. Um, And I want to speak on just, just about children because back in January, I briefly spoke about two young trans girls whose family supports them 100% and supports their decision to want to live as girls and not boys. And they even went to the length of seeking out therapists and placing their children on testosterone blockers at the age of 12 and 13. What are your thoughts on the parent's decision, and is this helping society society to understand the trans life, or is it shedding light on possibly bad parenting? I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I think that they're doing what they feel as though they need to do to make their child more successful and productive in life. Not only are they altering their child's physical so it matches their inside, they're implementing a child with knowledge, much-needed knowledge to be successful in life where they can develop a career and live a successful life. That's the most important thing. I think if we wouldn't put so much emphasis on our physical aesthetics and expanded our mind, we would be better off. But these parents are taking the time to nurture every part of their child that could be successful, and that's why it's so powerful and, and it's something that I feel as though should, should parents should look into if you're thinking about that. You should actually identify with what your child identifies with and expand all areas around them so they can be successful. Thank you so very much, Ebony. Um, Amaya, what should parents do if their child, in your opinion, because you are the young one of the bunch, and Ebony kind of touched on it, but I want your, your view on it. What should parents do if their child appears to be transgender or gender nonconforming? The first thing I, I feel that a parent should do is to try to understand where their child is coming from. Me growing up with the whole situation, I was scared. I remember being bullied in middle school, and every day after school, I was going to say, um, high school, and I would lie and say it was great. And the reason I would lie was because I was scared, you know. 
my mom never gave me that um, that idea that she would be encouraging or, you know, people with me coming to her, talk, talking to her about that situation. Um, and that came from, like, seeing her reactions, her reactions to, like, you know, other gay people, gay scenes on TV and stuff like that. So I was, I was always scared, and, you know, she was hurt, you know, after later on finding out that I went through all these things and, you know, was hurt that I didn't reach out to her. So my main thing would be um, for parents is to hear the child out, don't be so quick to just judge, and, and just really try to understand what that child is going through because, you know, we joke around all the time, but nobody honestly knows what it's like, you know, being 13, 12, 14, being confused and scared and not having anybody to confide in, especially someone you call a parent. Thank you so very much. Um, I want to ask this question. I want DeRay to answer it, um, and this may be a touchy one, but um, I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, over, the, over the last few years, uh, DeRay, um, I've heard of ladies who, who, who have lived their lives as trans women for 20-plus years, more than that, right? And once they are deceased, their families bury them as men. I understand respecting the family's decision, because I'm all about respect, but do you feel that's a disrespect to their child? And what would you say to those parents that can't seem to accept the decisions of their child or loved one? Well, first and foremost, this is why you, put, you do living wills and you, you put your instructions in life what you want done. Now, any parent that says that they love and honor their child, they are going to respect the wishes of what they wrote down. I'll use my family for example. I did my living will three years ago. First of all, I don't even want a funeral. I want to be cremated. I want a, um, I want a memorial done where there are certain people that, if they're still alive, I want them to speak upon my life, um, speak, speak upon me or the experiences that we've had. I want a memorial done. They can do an open casket. Then I want to be cremated. One, um, because I, don't, I can't see the flowers that you may bring to my family or my funeral. If I can't smell them, I don't feel I need them. Give me my flowers while I'm living. Second and foremost, for the parents that do not bury their child the way that they live, that is a big, the biggest form of disrespect. That is the way you may remember them, but that is not the way that they live their lives. Right. And their friends and the people that they have encountered over their 20-plus years of living, you right. can't just shove that to the side and act like it did not exist. Right. Now, if you don't want to bury them, if you don't want to bury them the way they live their life, then have a closed casket funeral. Don't do that to the people that knew, say, we'll use Amaya, that we've known Amaya all our life. We don't know who Fabian is. We never met Fabian. All we've known is Amaya. So that's unfair. That's unfair to, to us that have known and embraced this young woman all our lives. That's not fair. It's not right. And to the families, at the end of the day, it's not your life. It's theirs. Honor it the way that they lived it. Most definitely. So, ladies out there, you know, get those living wills, baby. I'm saying, even even though you know, I don't live my life as a transgender woman, anything of that nature, I just think that that's what you should do anyway. You know, because I've seen even with you know just people that have died, gay males that have died, and and you know their families do certain things or whatever, and shun people out and don't want them at the funerals and things of that nature. So it's it, it's for us to go out, everyone, no matter how you know what you identify as within the term LGBTQ, that you do have a living will and testament, you know, to, to, so they can carry out your services or your memorial however you see fit and not how they see fit. So my last question, and then we're going to close it out, um, is to everyone. 
and I won't, um, and I'll call each one of you by name. Oh, I don't get my own individual question, um, Makai. Who is that? Amaya? Who is that? Vanessa? No, Vanessa. No, Vanessa. Vanessa, you had yours a, <laughs> a little early when I asked you about the whole, uh, the whole passion. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But, Just but trying to be clear. Free uh, and clear, baby, free and clear. <laughs> so, look, this, this, this is the, the question that I want um, each of you to answer. We have about, oh, how many minutes? We've got eight minutes, but I, I know we can do it. So, Ebony, it goes to you first. After you're gone, well, after you're gone, how do you want to be remembered? What's your legacy? I want to be known as an educator or a facilitator or a teacher. Okay, so that's gonna be that's gonna be your that'll be your legacy, the, uh, being an educator and a teacher. Mhm. Okay. And um, Amaya, what about you? Um, I would like to be remembered as the pageant girl who dominated every system, <laughs> um, the trans advocate, um, okay. and just you know the girl next door, the very approachable girl next door. Thank you so very much, Amaya. And um, Monique, what about you? I want to definitely be remembered as, of course, the beautiful, organic spirit and down-to-earth individual. That, that's what I would want my legacy to be. That's how I would want to be remembered. Thank you so very much, Monique. Very um, well put. And Vanessa, how would you like to be remembered? Um, I just want to be remembered as the girl who said she was going to do it and did it. All right. I like that. And, <laughs> and Ms. Doray? I want to be remembered as an empowering, consummate entertainer, um, an individual that that treated people the way that she wanted to be treated, fair, kind, and just. Thank you so very much. Now, ladies, what I want you to do is just to hold the line for me. We're going to do our closing, and then we're going to go ahead and wrap up. So just hold the line for me. Bring the action. When you in the club, you're going to turn the shit up. You're going to turn the shit up. You're going to turn the shit up. When we up in the club, all eyes on us. All eyes on us. All eyes on us. Thank you so very much for always staying tuned to the Talk with Micah and Friends. It looks like our time tonight has come to an end. I want to personally thank the ladies for taking the time out of their day to help expand the tea within LGBTQ. I personally had a good time. I also want to wish all the ladies much success on their future endeavors, and may God bless each and every one of them richly. Now, next week's show is going to be pretty interesting because it's actually going to be about me, right? Oh, my God. All right, you asked for it, so you're going to get it, okay? And I'm going to entitle this one, Flipping the Motherfucking Script. Again, Flipping the Motherfucking Script. Versus me asking all the questions, some lucky person will have the opportunity to interview me and speak candidly about life, love, pageantry, and issues concerning the LGBTQ community. And yes, listeners, you're going to have your opportunity as well to call in and ask me questions. Okay, just keep it cute or put it on mute. Now, before I let you go, I have to leave you with the quote of the week. So here it goes. Sometimes you have to forget what's gone, appreciate what remains, and look forward to what's coming next. Again, sometimes you have to forget what's gone, appreciate what remains, and look forward to what's coming next. Until next time, guys, everyone be blessed.
Bring the action. When you're in the club, you're gonna turn the shit up. 